that. I haven't got a copper. Well, oh, sad times. I haven't got a copper. Do I need to go make one? I think I might need to go make one. Do I just leave this recording while I go make one? Yeah, fuck it. And just like that, we're back. That's right, I took a four-minute interlude so I could just go make myself a cup of coffee. But, well, what are you going to do about it? Sup, kids, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty I'm pretty pepped up. I had a, like a lack of sleep, but at the same time, you know, I managed to get over that deal. Uh, and I'm just making it through the day right now. As much as you can do. But uh, well, what I want to talk about... So, I, I kind of... I was thinking about this whole idea of... Uh, of biopics, right? So I watch a lot of biopics. Uh, I don't know why. I think I discussed this when I had uh, Verena on the podcast, and we talked about true crime and why people enjoy true crime, and why we we look for those stories about you know the world around us. And I actually i I realized I got into a real trend of watching biopics on Netflix. You know, these true stories of people within the world. Um, told in a dramatic way, of course. I mean, I'm a lover of stories, and I'm a lover of hearing a tale, and when a story is dramatized, and it makes it even more engaging. But I like those things, and I like documentaries about people. Um, you know, it, it is, at the moment, it's kind of hard to avoid uh, bad TV and bad documentaries about people. That's the problem with Netflix and Prime, is you start looking for, you know, well-produced, uh, interesting stories and tales about the world around us and then what you actually end up with is a bunch of um sensationalized documentaries made in the 90s with a hefty voiceover about how he went to his house and murdered his wife and kids and yeah it, it, they don't don't they don't play they don't play they just, it just doesn't track and and they're not entertaining and they're usually just full of stills they're just full of stills and screens about nothing it's like the same mugshot of the guy 20 times floating across the screen like, Did you know before he did this he went and drank a milkshake? And then 20 minutes of suggesting that the milkshake drove him back to madness. But, yeah, I, I digress. So, essentially, I, I, went, I went through and I, wa- I recently watched The Founder. I think I spoke about this on my daily stream as well. So I recently watched The Founder. If you don't know, uh, The Founder is a film starring Michael Keaton. I think it was released in 2019. But it's all about Ray Kroc um, and how he became the founder of McDonald's. Spoilers. I'm going to get into this. You know, So if you haven't seen it, take a, take a look at it. But it was one of those films I threw on as any other film. Um Thinking about uh, just watching something, I don't know. Don't know why as well. Biopics tend to be quite light, you know. Even in a, a dark story, they tend to be stories of redemption. They tend to be stories which you you look at and go, okay, yeah. I, I feel like we watch them because we like to remind ourselves that that luck is a thing, and there is opportunity out there, and the the 
generally inspirational. You know, they're inspirational or they're informative in some way. You know, it's it's this happened and this is terrible, therefore you should avoid it. Or this happened and this person managed to make it big and, and, and therefore, you know, you can take that inspiration and run with it sort of thing. And I watch them, I don't know, I watch them for like a comforting thing. You know, it's it's kind of a, more of a wholesome angle, kind of more of a, hey, you know, there's a lot of luck out there and seizing opportunities and bits and bobs. But it, yeah, I, I, I digress. So Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And I really I don't know how to feel about this film. Right? We, it's not very often I discuss film on, on this show. Um, but I, I just I don't know how to feel about this film. Because it's not, it's not a badly made film, right? It's a, it's a really well made film. It's well acted and it's, it's well you know, performed and, and written. The, the uh, dialogue is fantastic. Um, obviously, most of the dialogue is just fabricated because it's all dramatization. But it's it's such an odd film at the same time. I think it just confused me as a story. And it's not, well, not even as a story because I knew, I knew bits about it. So it's all about, so if you didn't know, Ray Kroc didn't invent McDonald's. That's that's the the crux of the film is that Ray Kroc didn't invent McDonald's. What did Ray Kroc did? He's he met a couple of brothers um, called McDonald, who ran a burger place and essentially took it over. And this is the story surrounding that. You know, this is the story surrounding how Ray Kroc basically muscled these guys out, and and then he eventually to give, give spoilers warning again. Uh, he eventually just didn't pay them what they would do um and they just yeah they, they fell into obscurity because now everyone knows ray Kroc is the the mcdonald's figurehead as as the overall overall arcing idea you know he's ronald mcdonald that's, that's, that's the way that's the way to think about it um but it, it was such a strange film anyway because so yeah as i say it was really well made and i, I kind of watched it but i got to the end of it and i was trying to think what was it? What was it actually trying to say? You know, when you when you watch these biopic films, you watch them and you think, yeah, you know, most of the time they're trying to teach you a message. They're trying to teach you an idea um, about something. But I, I really don't know if this film knew what it wanted to say. And I'm gonna get. I'm gonna take you a little bit through why. I don't know what to say. Maybe you need to watch it. Maybe you don't. But we'll get into that. But you know, we're gonna go through it. So when you watch the film. At the very beginning of the film, you meet you meet Ray Kroc, and he is a milkshake machine salesman, right? He's a door-to-door salesman. It's like the 1940s, 1950s, and he's he's driving from place to place trying to hawk these these milkshake machines, and he's struggling, right? Nobody wants them. Nobody wants a you know th- th- these machines. He's trying to get people to upgrade. He's a, he's your classic. Um, salesman he's struggling he hasn't really got any money he's like his, his house is kind of being remortgaged but his wife's also really kind of posh because he's, they're like white middle class in the 50s and there's all these things you you, you meant to feel you meant to feel sorry for him you know you meant to feel sorry for him that he's struggling and he, he just wants an opportunity and he's, he's got all these ideas and he just wants to run with these ideas and all this this that and the other and he's got his like his things with his wife, and his wife wants to spend more time at home, but at the same time he can't spend more time at home because he's out working, and you sense this conflict, and you meant to feel real bad for Michael Keane. Now, I mean, let's let's just interlude on Michael Keane, right? <laughs> Not in a filthy way either. Michael Keane is fantastic. Right? I cannot think 
of a bad film with Michael Keaton. And ultimately, I can already sense some of you are seething in the sidelines going, oh, well, have you seen Jack Frost? Yes, I have seen Jack Frost. And quite frankly, um, what, what people think of Jack Frost the film is disgraceful because that is a fantastic film. But he's great in everything he does. I mean, it, it does help my argument that he's in my favourite version of Batman, the film, which is the 989 version of Batman with Jack Nicholson. And that is my favourite version of Batman to screen sort of thing. Uh, but he's also in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, and he's in a bunch of other things. But yeah, as I say, I, I haven't seen a bad film with Michael McKean. And he's one of those actors as well um, where he he, play, he played Beetlejuice for Christ's sake. And I didn't know this for years and years and years. And my ex basically had to convince me that this was Michael Keaton. Because she was like, Michael Keaton plays Beetlejuice. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not a real thing, right? That's not, that's not a reality. That's not something which is actually happening in the world. Um, and then we sat and watched Beetlejuice. And even after sitting and watching and looking at it and going, yeah, no, no, I mean, that could... But no, at the end of the film, I just could not... Um, could not convince myself that Michael Keaton would play Beetlejuice, and yet he did. He, he honestly did, and he. he I, I watched some interviews with him, um, and, and he was also in King of the Hill. I'm just looking up, just, just you know, going through his little, little, little brief interview. I, I can, yeah, Michael Keaton. He's in Birdman, and Birdman's such a cool film. And he's in RoboCop. There's Ray Sellers. It's kudos to Michael Keaton. Right, he's a goddamn chameleon in terms of. His acting capabilities. But he's gotten older. He's, he's become Ray Kroc. So, you're watching Ray, back to Ray Kroc. Now, he's on the road and he discovers this burger stand run by the McDonald's. And they have invented a new system for basically dishing out burgers and they've cut back their menu to give you a very limited menu but are able to serve you in like 30 seconds compared to what was a regular diner in the 50s which is about half an hour, the same as any restaurant. And that was driving him nuts. Because he was on the road a lot, and he was seeing this a lot. So he saw the potential in the idea they had. Uh, and he saw the potential in what they were doing in order to escalate the idea further. This is where it kind of gets weird, right? Because they still try to push this angle that he's a good guy. They still try to push this angle that, you know, he's he's someone who just wants to, to see the real potential, to bring their idea to the future, to get to get more people on board, to get them the reward they want. He's, he also he shuns his his wealthier friends because they take on franchises which he's setting up. So he starts setting up all these franchises with permissions from the McDonald's, but providing the McDonald's gets to make all the decisions, he doesn't get to make any decisions, and he he kind of goes up and up and up and up, and he like shuns his rich friends. He's so like, yeah, he's working class and he's doing all these things and it's great. And oh no, the McDonald's are being unreasonable and all this, all this kind of jazz. And then. This just takes a real twist at one point when you realize that he's not in any way, shape, or form actually a good person, you know? It all kind of falls into place, obviously. As the story tracks on, again, spoilers, if you made it this far through and you're, you're annoyed about spoilers, then this is your own fault. I'm just, just throwing that out there. But essentially, he decides he's not making enough money. He, he really figures out how to cut out the McDonald people. And then as soon as he has the upper hand on them, he uses his uh, wealth, leverage, position in order to cut them out completely, to claim rights over all of the franchises, to basically take control of the company, and in doing so, 
uh, gives them a handshake promise of royalties uh, to take their name, essentially to take the name McDonald's. Uh, and then he never paid paid them the royalties. That's the end. That's the that's the end of the story, really. But the end of the film ends with him standing in front of a mirror, giving a speech because he's about to go to like the Ronald Reagan dinner or something like that. And he he's standing in front of this mirror, he's giving the speech, and it's a very dramatic speech. It's a very on the nose, meant to be motivational, American dream, work as hard as you can, always persist. Persistence is, is one of the main r- rules he uses within this kind of thing. And this whole, whole idea of, yeah, if you just keep persisting, you can keep going. And, and you, it's all about all these losers, they give up. And I just kept going and going and going and going. But it's an absolute lie because all he's done is steal other people's ideas throughout the entire film he's never created anything in his life maybe this is why it doesn't sit well with me because he's not really a creator all he does is find ways to take something which is really well made and then cut corners to make it more profitable over and over and over again but i mean there's other storylines that are in there so he's with his wife they're not getting along they're having troubles and then he meets this woman who's married to this other guy and he convinces her to leave her husband and becomes his wife so he goes and he ruins another life. And it's almost like he's taking retribution in some way for his life. But at the same time, his life isn't bad. He doesn't have a bad life. Yeah, he's got a crap job. And yeah, he's a salesman on the road. But he doesn't have a bad life. So he actually, he has no actual motivational reason for the bad things he does in the film. I don't know if he did in real life. I'm just basing this all on the film. And he has no bad, like, a better reason. And then at the end of it, he just kind of takes credit for it. Like, oh, I should've, you should have known. You, know, you should have known I was going to do this. You should, you should be more, you should be more um, motivated. And, and um, what is the word I am looking for there? Cutthroats. Yeah, <laughs> more motivating. Cutthroat. This is, this is business. This is the world. You didn't realize what you had, so I took what you had. And it's, it's such an archetype. Uh, I mean, I get, I get the film in the sense of it's meant to be, meant to be a warning, I guess, for a lot of people. You know, it's meant to be a warning of these kind of the the whole. I think the line which comes up is like these, it's like a snake oil salesman. You know, it's a snake in the hen house, it's a fox in the hen house, and that's that's kind of the crux of it. But you, at the same time, there was no indication that this was going to be the thing. The change in personality and the change in his actions just come so dramatically, and not even dramatically like there's no there's no no musical spike or anything it just it just happens just it just happens he feels and it's it's just because he feels hard done to it it's it's, it's so pathetic <laughs> it's just so pathetic maybe this is what doesn't sit with me with the film it's a, and again it's a film which i kind of feel like i want to rewatch because i love the tone of it you know, I love the the style of it, and I love the tone of it. And again, I love these dramatizations, but at the same time, it just it almost didn't track like a person. You know, it didn't track like this could be an actual believable character. It 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 seemed like they didn't know what they wanted to say. Like they had to put the beginning in to kind of give you sympathy, so you didn't feel too bad at the end of it because they were worried about maybe being sued by McDonald or something. But it's just yeah, I don't I don't know. It's and it is that it's. I think the problem I have with this film, and the problem I have a lot with some films, as I say, like these films are meant to be dramatic messages. And one of the things he does in this film 
um, at the be- near the beginning of the film, you see him alone in a hotel room drinking a lot of whiskey. You know, depression. And you throw the throw the tropes in there as you as you need to when you when you're in Hollywood. Um, but he listens to vinyl records, which are motivational speakers, and they're they're you know they're very much you need to believe in yourself. You need to get up every single day, and you need to go out into the world and 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 trust in yourself, so you're doing better than everybody else out there. It's very much that kind of thing. And it's framed as though he needs these pep talks, you know, that he's, he's extremely insecure and he needs these pep talks to in order to, to do what he does, which is get up every day and provide for his family. But his family is just his wife and they already appear to own the house. Um, and the, that's, the, that's the crux of the end speech as well. You know, that's, that's essentially what this film becomes. By, like, no retribution ever comes to Ray Kroc. It makes him appear a little bit sad at the end, but again, he's not—he's not sad at the end. He's there with his new wife in his massive house, and he's going to go speak at a presidential luncheon. But it—it it frames it as though, oh, you know, he's this is what he, it almost frames it like this is what you should do with your life. This is, this is, you know, we've seen the motivational speeches this guy had. Therefore, you should listen to this motivational speech. You should listen to this and go, oh, hey, this is. This is the new thing for the future. You could be this future. You could be, you could have the next McDonald's. That's what it's framing as. It's framing as you could be the next McDonald's, the next Ray Kroc. All you actually have to do is go out there and steal somebody else's idea and profit off that. That's what. That's the ending message of this film, and it gives you the information afterwards. Say, hey, you know, this McDonald's has this many things. This is how much it's worth. It tells you a little bit more about a few other characters you met along the way, like one of the the cooks became like CEO or the, the owner of McDonald's for a while. His wife gives you give you information about his wife and all the things that she did, um, and then tells you at the end that the McDonald's never received royalties. But it, also, you don't really feel too bad. So it's it, because the, the the framing of it, and it's such a brief note. A brief no at the end of the film, like, oh, hey, yeah, they didn't never get those royalties. But you knew that as soon as they were striking the deal, by the way. You knew that as soon as they kind of in there. You knew this was a downward spiral all the way through for everybody but Ray Kroc. And this may be the true story. But then that begs the question, if this is the true story, why is this film framing it in a positive light? Why is this film framing it as that? And I guess my worry is that people that like this is the the risk people take with films. I'm taking a lot of like likes today, but when people make films and when people make any sort of media and art or whatever you want to discuss, you you are taking your message out to the world as a this is something I'm putting out into the world, and there's a certain level of responsibility. And I discussed this recently in the the audience episode. There's a level of responsibility with the message you're putting out into the world. If you're going out into the world and you're saying, you know, drink coffee, get fucked, die young, as my t-shirt does, I have to take the responsibility for the message which I'm putting out there. You know, if someone comes and questions me on it, I'm having to say, well, this is the explanation I can give give to that. I will own that as as an ideal. And when you make a biopic film, especially, which are generally seen as these inspirational points of humanity saying hey this is what humanity can do or this is what it's capable of this really this stands alone as a a bastion to like capitalist motivationists and all those kind of 
pseudo-American ideals, which is about the American dream. And it reminded me a lot of those motivational speech speakers who try to manipulate the world around them and convince vast amounts of yuppies to just go out and get... I sound like such a communist right now. <laughs> I sound like I'm, I'm really social eliting this, but I'm not. Like, this is... You know, I, I have a lot of respect for anyone who can take a business and build a business and grow a business and make it into something amazing. That's why I watch these biopic films. That's why I'm I'm curious of how they did it. But this one just it just does not sit. It does not sit. It does not rest easy because a lot of people are going to watch this. And a lot of people will who will watch this will go, "Oh. Oh, well. If Ray Kroc could do it, then maybe I I know I already know a guy you know, I know a guy who who has a great idea. I could take that idea. And then, if I take his idea and I can I can make that idea successful, oh, well then the rules of the world don't apply to me. I can I can leave my wife or husband. I can I can go take whatever I want. Because this is the other thing with Ray Crook, right? It's at least how the film presents it. None of his ideas are his. Literally none of them. The only thing he knows how to do in this film is franchise and take out loans. He's essentially just a face in front of everything else. Because the ideas he gets on how to take the company come from a random lawyer he meets. The ideas he gets on how to cut costs come from his other half. Well, not his other half at the time. The woman he meets gives him the idea. Who owns one of the franchises with her husband. And every single idea he takes, he just takes on board and amalgamates them into basically just profiteering off everything. And that's, that's yeah, it's it's really encouraging that message of, of just, it doesn't really matter what you do and it doesn't really matter how you are. Because there's always going to be that one guy who's going along for the ride who then becomes and, and gets classified as the founder. So I don't, I, I, my worry is maybe more that it's, it, is, it is suggesting this message because I, it might be a warning film. It might be a warning film. If you look past Ray Kroc and you look at everybody else in the film, you could see this as a real warning to people who own businesses and a real warning to artists and creators and, and people with imagination and, and intelligent ideas, you know, all these engineers coming up with these new things. I mean, we're in a position right now where we're all looking at vaccines and going, oh, hey, you know, this company's got this, this company's got this, blah, 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 blah. And the amount of people who are profiteering off the pandemic... And you can kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, this is just a real warning that you should be looking out for people like Ray Kroc. But also, it just it basically just says to you, oh, yeah, there's no way you can stop him. Because even these two brothers who meant well, and they never saw it coming. We didn't see it coming. We were introduced to him in a way which was sympathetic. And yet it's out there as an idea and it's out there as a film to say, hey, I just does not, it did not sit well with me as a film. There's some, there's some great moments in this film. Don't get me wrong, by the way. There's some great moments in this film and some really great writing and dialogue and the acting in it is fantastic. And I, this is the annoying thing, which is about it. I would watch this again, right? I would watch this again with someone else. Um, to relearn the story. Maybe I'd notice other things. Maybe I just didn't like the tone end of it. Maybe it just annoyed me. Maybe that's all this is. Maybe that's all this podcast is. is just me complaining about how that film annoyed me. 
is that such a bad thing? Is that such a strange thing to to sit and ramble about for a half hour? I don't know. I'd be interesting to hear what other people think of this. Because I think my brother um, put me onto it. He reminded me that it existed. He mentioned something about it. Um, and that, and then it popped up on my, my Netflix notifications. And I, I went, oh, yeah, actually, you know, I'll sit down and watch that. And, yeah. Maybe it's just, it just didn't sit well because there was no moral to it. Which is odd because a lot of my favorite films uh, don't really have a moral ending. They just have... They don't even really have an ending. They just have an open open cause. Uh, whereas with this, it's just right there going, oh, hey, this is McDonald's, and this is this is how it got started. And <laughs> it's, it's just at the core of everything they're doing. And What it did teach me in the end, though, I think, is this idea. Because one, one of the points which they put into the film was that he got too big so quick. So by the time anyone noticed what was going on, they couldn't do anything to change what was happening. And that's an idea which is put into, as well, the Morgan Spurlock film, uh, which is where he, he does, uh, supersize me, that's the word, and he does, he eats McDonald's every day for like a month or something like that. And no one really knows how to take these people down. Nobody knows how to take these corporations down, and nobody knows how to to dismantle them. And I think one of the messages which it, it gives you in this film, and I don't know if it intends to give you this film, is that you can't, in a way, you know, it puts across this idea because McDonald's is like one of the biggest landowners in the in the world, and that's one of the key points: is you can't take them down because they own the land. So it doesn't even matter if the business is there; they own the land, which means they own the people who own the businesses. And what it suggests to you is the only way to beat them is to take their customers. You can't beat them by joining their company. You can't beat them by being in their workforce and changing things from the inside. You just can't because it's controlled by a larger system so the only way to defeat that is to create something which has a higher demand and then create something which other people want more and i think if there is a positive message to take from that it is that it is that idea that okay cool you're never going to stop a big corporation like that but what you can do is you can hurt their profit margin and that's how you deteriorate them and that's how you develop something bigger and that's how you you get around it Maybe I'm just searching. Maybe I'm grasping for ideas at this point. Some sort of positive message. But who knows? I'd love to know what you guys think. Watch the founder. Oh. Watch the founder and, and tell me what you think. Get back to me on the on the thought process of what was going on with it and if there was a message to it. I don't really know. Mainly just get back to me on how much you love Michael Keaton and I'll be quite happy with that. <laughs> but leaving on that point, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.